Hello there, great to be with you today and you are very welcome with us too. My name's Dan, I'm part of the leadership team at the Mile Cross site of King's Community Church in Norwich. This is the third of our summer preaching series. We're recording them and posting them on YouTube for members of the church family who are present and not able to join us at the King Centre for our Sunday meetings. And also, I suppose for anyone else who's looking in and wanting to hear and learn more about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If that's you, hi there, great to be with you. I mentioned our summer's preaching series. We're calling it The Heart of Christ, and we're using Dane Ortland's excellent book, Gentle and Lowly, as a backdrop for the series. Really helpful book, uh, small chapters, but big content. If you've not got a copy yet, it is highly recommended. Today, we're looking at how the heart of Christ is a heart of love. Toby covered a, a couple of weeks ago about how when we talk of, about the heart of someone, we're talking about the reality of who they are, the core of their being, their motivation, their driving force, if you like. Jesus is God. The Bible tells us that in him, the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell. And so as we explore what Jesus is like, we see what God is like. Jesus fully reveals all that God is like, all of his character, all of his heart. I wonder if you've ever tried to describe God's love or answer the question, what is God's love like? How did you get on with that? Was it, uh, was it something you could go to personal experience for or was it more of a technical textbook based definition? And one of my favourite descriptions of God's love is found here in the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says how the whole Bible is telling the wonderful story of God's love. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I do like that. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. What we're going to do for the next 15 minutes or so is look at an encounter that Jesus had with an individual in the Gospels. We'll see how he expresses God's heart of love to them uh, and to us as well. We're going to use this encounter to describe God's love. So if you've got a Bible uh, and uh, you want to open it up or if it's on, on a screen, swipe your way to it. We're going to go to Mark's Gospel Chapter 10, verse 17, and we're going to read through 10 verses to the end of verse 27. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 27, goes like this. And as he, that's Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but 
Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Point number one, God's love never stops. Uh, from verse 17, we, we know that Jesus was setting out on his journey and this fellow runs up to him and gets in his way and puts everything on hold. I wonder how well you handle an unexpected interruption. For many of us, a journey is about leaving one place and travelling to another so that we arrive in good time and appropriate state of mind to do whatever we've journeyed there for. It can be easy to switch off and allow the journey to take place with our brains on autopilot and in one sense disengaged from the activity. It could be the commute to or from work or a trip to the supermarket. The journey is about the getting there, not the going there. So an interruption breaks us out of that routine and causes us to face something we hadn't prepared for. What emotion bubbles to the top of you in those sorts of situations? Confusion maybe? Frustration? Anger? Disappointment? Maybe a whole load of things that fit in the not love category. Jesus has already made the observation that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how does yeah, so when Jesus speaks to this man, he allows us to hear his heart. How does Jesus respond to this unexpected interruption? He does so with kindness, gentleness, and patience. As we said earlier, Jesus fully reveals all that God is like. Now, before the incarnation, the people of God would look back to another moment of divine self-revelation where God told Moses what he was like. It's there in Exodus 34, um, verses 5 to 8. We're going to read it in a moment. Um, and it might be worth just sticking something in that page as well. We'll come back to it later on. Um, but just to, to set the scene for now, Moses had said to God, please show me your glory. And God answered, I will make all my goodness pass before you. In other words, Moses, I'll show you what I'm really like. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity on the fathers of the uh, on the, uh, the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. The first words out of God's mouth after proclaiming his name to describe who he is are merciful and gracious. His love does not stop. Jesus responds to the interruption of this rich young man with mercy and grace. Dear church family and friends, I want you to know that Jesus responds to your coming before him with your burdens, worries, 
circumstances, needs, uh, doubts and dreams is mercy and grace. Dane Ortland, he, he puts it like this. He says, his highest priority and deepest delight and first reaction, his heart is merciful and gracious. God's heart of love never stops. Point two, God's love never gives up. The rich young man raises a really important question, perhaps the most important of all spiritual questions. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We're all destined to die. So if there is such a thing as eternal life, it is worth every effort to gain it. The problem with the rich young man's question is that he's made a false assumption. He's assumed that salvation comes from our doing, which is why he asks about what he must do. The assumption is false because the truth is, uh, as an author called Phil Riken puts it, the truth is that none of us is good enough to be saved by the good things that we do. We've all done too many of the wrong things and not enough of the right things. Furthermore, even the right things we've done, we're, we're done to some degree in the wrong way or for the wrong reason. This is why Jesus said to the man, no one is good except God alone. He's underlining the point. No one is good. Not the man he was talking to, not you, not, not me, not anyone. Only God is perfectly good. Elsewhere in the Bible, it puts it like this. God is light and in him no darkness is found. This puts us in an impossible situation. There's nothing we can do by ourselves to inherit eternal life. We need a rescuer, one who sees our predicament and isn't put off by it. One whose love never gives up. One who is prepared to go to the cross and make a way for us in all of our not good enoughness to be made right with God because he has credited us with all of his good enoughness. That's what Jesus does for those who put their trust in him. We are loved with a love that never gives up. Saying all of this reminds me of part of a quote of J.I. Packer. If you've been around Kings for more than a couple of years, you'll, you might catch yourself mouthing it along with me. It goes like this. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love for me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge about the worst of the worst about me so that no discovery now can disillusion him in the in this way that I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me nothing can quench God's determination to bless you which I guess is, is just another way of saying that his love never gives up Point number three, God's love is unbreaking. Uh, when something is unbreaking, it means we can be certain of how it will behave when it carries a weight or comes under pressure. Only, only last week I discovered that unbreaking is not the way that I can describe my ironing board. Uh, you don't need to know all the details, uh, but let's just say that it could not carry my weight and buckled under pressure. After hearing the man telling him that he'd kept all the commandments since he was a youth, verse 21 tells us, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. 
and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus invited the young man to put his trust in him instead of his own resources. This wasn't a call to poverty, it was a call to follow. Jesus could make that ask of him and he can make that ask of us because his love is unbreaking. It is able to carry your weight and it won't buckle under the pressure. A word more, the Bible more commonly uses to describe the ongoing dependability of the love of God is steadfast. If we are flip back to Exodus 34, we see it there. The Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I'm going to quote directly from Dane Ortland in, in Gentle and Lowly again. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is covenant language. There is one Hebrew word underlying the, the English phrase steadfast love. It's the word hesed, which refers to God's special commitment to the people with whom he has gladly bound himself in an unbreakable covenant bond. The word faithfulness gets at this too. He will never throw his hands up in the air, despite all the reasons that his people give him to do so. He refuses even to entertain the notion of forsaking us who deserve to be, or of withdrawing his heart from us the way we do toward others who hurt us. Therefore, he is not simply existing in large-hearted covenant commitment, but abounding in it. His determined commitment to us never runs dry. The young man didn't understand this. Matthew 10.22 tells us that he went away sorrowful for or because he had great possessions. His decision seems to show that he was unable to shift his trust away from his own riches over to God, who is rich in mercy. Jesus will keep calling us to follow him. And we can do that joyfully because his steadfast love won't change, even when our individual circumstances do. God loves us with a love that is unbreaking. Uh, point number four. God's love is always and forever. Jesus' encounter with the young man draws to a close with Jesus making the statement, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This is Jesus' response to his disciples' question, then who can be saved? If you think about it, it's pretty much the same question as the young man asked him back in verse 17. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus once again answers the question by pointing to God as the one who initiates and completes our salvation. But what is eternal life? Well, Jesus defined it this way in John 17, verse 3. He said, and this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is having a relationship with God through Jesus that starts now and goes through death into the age to come and then on for all eternity. That relationship is available to each of us who respond to Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross and his victorious resurrection in faith. 
that relationship is empowered by the Holy Spirit, God himself living in us and, and through us to display his glory and grace in and through our lives. It's a relationship forged in God's heart of love. And it is a relationship that is always and forever. Romans chapter 8 verse 38 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does all this talk of God's love mean for you? If you're not sure what you think about it, then we'd love to talk to you some more about it. Perhaps you could leave a comment below or, or connect with us via our website. If you've got friends around Norwich, maybe you could talk about it in life groups soon. Uh, if you've already responded to Jesus' invitation to put your trust in him, then as we understand more of what his love for us is like, we start to show that love to those around us. We, uh, we allow our days to be interrupted so that we can show his never stopping love. We, when faced with impossible situations, we reach out with a desire to serve and bless, demonstrating his never giving up love. We commit to one another and, and bear each other up through life's ups and downs because we know what unbreaking and always and forever love looks like. When God told Moses what he was like, it says Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. Maybe that would be a helpful thing for you to do next, to find a great song to remind you of how much God loves you. Excuse me. Um, let me close by praying for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us with a love that is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I pray that each of us would know your love more and, uh, and show your love more wherever you call us to follow you. Amen. You know, it's true, folks. God really loves you. We'll see you soon. God bless.